Many organizations struggle when it comes to communicating and realizing their business strategies. Many workers don't even understand the strategies in their own company. Welcome to the North Star with William Ulrich. Find out where your organization stands, what you might be doing right, and where you can improve. Now, here's your host, William Ulrich. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, William Ulrich. You're listening to the North Star. Feel free to contact me at, by my email or LinkedIn or on my website. Today, we'll be discussing the adaptive enterprise with my guest, Stephen Heckel. Uh, let me just give you a little background. Steve's president of Adaptive Business Designs, an executive education firm. He's held multiple positions at IBM where he serves as a futurist, director of strategic studies. Steve pioneered sense and respond managerial principles. He's the author of the Adaptive Enterprise, Creating and Leading Sense and Respond Organizations. We'll be talking a little bit about that today uh, from the Harvard Business School Press. The Adaptive Enterprise provides business leaders with a framework for rapidly responding to customer demands, market shifts, and other predictable and unpredictable change. Uh, Steve served as advisor to the Office of Force Transformation Flagship Project Sense and Respond Logistics in the Office of the Secretary of Defense. In 2012, he received the DSC Logistics Thinkers and Movers Award. You can reach Steve at his website, senseandrespond.com, or by email at heckle, that's H-A-E-C-K-E-L-1, the, the number one, at verizon.net. Again, that's heckle1 at verizon.net. I posted a link to his book, The Adaptive Enterprise, on my North Star radio page on my website, tacticalstrategygroup.com. I wanted to let everyone know that Steve is currently retired, so it's really an honor to have him take some time to speak with us all today about his experiences. So, Steve, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, first, I want to make sure um, I got your background right. Did I, did I get anything wrong there, or did I get everything uh, close? It made me sound better than I think I am. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, what I wanted to talk about just first is – Get a little bit of your experience at IBM. We talked the other day about some of the work you did there, um, particularly that interesting role as futurist that you had for uh, at one point. So can, can you talk a little bit about your work at IBM? Yes. The, the uh, work at IBM was uh, done primarily for customers. I never really got IBM itself to buy into the idea of, uh, of uh, organizing itself as a system. Mm-hmm. It uh, was more and more the interactions with customers that came to the Advanced Business Institute, where I had uh, the most fun and probably the most effect. It's it's great to work with customers. I know what that's that's like, and I uh, personally always enjoy that the most myself. Um, uh, as I recall, you uh, helped set up uh, what became IBM's global services practice. Is that is that accurate? Can you describe that? Uh, I didn't help set it up, but I could, mm-hmm. I did uh, get involved with it mm-hmm. because it was the global services organization that thought this was important. There were parts of IBM that uh, never paid much attention. <laughs> um, how about? Your job, they, at one point you had the title of futurist. Can you, can you describe what that, what that was like? <laughs> it was fun, basically. <laughs> I, created, I created the job and became okay. a the job. And it, it was um, um, a good chance to spend a lot of time with customers. 
because the idea of, of being a futurist is not predicting what was going to happen, but organizing yourself to be able to respond effectively to what did happen, even if it was unanticipated. So a modular organization that be, can be reorganized to respond to the realities of the present rather than what was projected to be the future. Excellent. Um, now, uh, you also did some work with, um, uh, I, I, when I was reading your introduction, uh, with the Secretary of Defense on uh, some sense and respond logistics. Uh, can, can you describe that a little? Well, that, that was uh, the, um, an individual who uh, got very interested in what I was doing. And the, the idea was to organize the government parts of the government as a system, which <laughs> turns out to have been a little bit more difficult than what <laughs> one might imagine, because <laughs> the government does not deal with who owes what the whom it deals with what can we do, period. Right, right. So what led up to your work that, that motivated you to share your thinking through the Adaptive Enterprise book? What, 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 what spurred that on? Well, it spurred on because I, when I came back from a, uh, a tour of duty in, in uh, Europe, I came back to actually no role. And so I was given the opportunity to define my own role. And uh, it became uh, uh, really the, the source of, of what interested me in, in business. And that was the IBM Advanced Business Institute. Mm. And um, it was... Uh, and it, it attracted a lot of very interesting customers um, who were uh, open to thinking differently about their organization, and particularly mm. to think about their organization as a system, which most organizations weren't, and how to uh, how to um, um, derive the uh, implications or, or use the implications of the system to improve performance. And okay. the, that, that basically is where I spent my time with customers, not with IBM. Right. In fact, uh, you did some survey work at IBM, I think, that showed a large majority of uh, executives saw uh, discontinuity and unpredictability as, as sort of the norm. Um, is, is that is that something you can talk about? Yeah, that that, that is the <laughs> the real interesting dichotomy is uh, everybody agreed that that was probably what was going to happen, and nobody agreed on what the, what we should do about that. <laughs> and the the concept of uh, organizing a business as a uh, uh, system of capability. Um, not a lot of talk, but not a lot of action, at least within IBM. I'm going to probably misquote you, but I, I think I remember reading in the book uh, that that um, in, in in times of great unpredictability, the only the only real strategy is is to be able to deal with unpredictability. Is that is that close, or did I get that close? Yeah, <laughs> the strategy is to be quick and good at responding to what is happening, rather than to what you projected was going to happen. Okay. So uh, you, the name of the book is The Adaptive Enterprise. Can you describe what that would be or what that is? 
Well, the, the book is now I don't know, several, several, almost a, de a decade old, and it, it is a, a, an attempt to uh, get people to think about their business as a uh, provider of, of uh, benefits to customers as opposed to a seller of capabilities to customers. And that, that idea of, of being a part of uh, a system that creates customer benefit as opposed to uh, reaps firm uh, profit is a, you know, easy to say, but not many co companies are organized, are rewarded for being uh, a, a sense and respond organization. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, so many times I go to places and uh, some of these organizations even have a hard time understanding but their goal should be to deliver value to the customer. And they struggle with that. They think their goal is to deliver more profits yeah. uh, somehow. And, and um, I see that all the time. So uh, in the book, you talk about a uh, sense and respond organization. And I guess there's a couple of pieces to that. There's the sense and then there's the respond. Uh, so, so can you, um, so, so what led to that type of thinking or that idea? And then um, can you talk about that a little bit? Well, what, what really uh, was a turning point for me was uh, the uh, introduction at General Motors by the people at General Motors of what a system is. We, the term is used all the time, but what, what uh, with some rigor, is a system. And, and what um, was eventually derived from that was the definition of a system as a collection of capabilities that interact and that's the key word, to produce an effect that can't be produced by any subset. And I, I, organizing a business as a system is very radical and very, very uh, few companies ever really took it on. Uh, and that, I can't explain why other than it was uh, a shock to the system and not a lot of people were willing to take on the so who else has done this and with what benefits uh, can I guarantee to my uh, superiors? So organization, organizing a business as a system of capabilities, this is really the nut of the contribution that I was trying to make. Okay. Um, yeah, in fact, you, you mentioned benefits. So uh, what kind of benefits do people see or what people expect? Well, most people are interested in benefits to the organization as opposed to benefits to the customer. And it turns out that if you do a good job of creating benefits to the customer, uh, benefits to the organization follow. It doesn't work the other way around. Mm. So this, this idea of customer back as a first post of turn forward is a mantra that uh, I still think uh, is very applicable to looking at a business. In fact, you talk about shifting from a make and sell organization over to a sense and respond, right? Yeah. And that was a comment. That was something you wrote up in the book. Yes. Um, so today we say, I'm going to make this and I'm going to sell it and make money. Uh, but what we really want to do is respond to customers. Yes. And, and most organizations aren't modular enough to be able to reconfigure around individual customer needs. 
that this is what we do and this is how we do it, be quiet and sit down and accept that uh, reality. So modular organization is a is an intricate to uh, being an adaptive adaptive enterprise. It, yeah, I really like that idea that you talk about the modular organization uh, because organizations, as you say, aren't usually organized that way. Organizations should probably think about incorporating uh, that type of thinking into their strategic planning, I would guess. Is that fair? We'd hope so, but, but often organizational, <laughs> in the hierarchy of authority, is very deeply embedded in people's idea about what an organizational design should be, as opposed to a system of capabilities that, that should be rearranged and applied specifically to individual customer needs. That is a good thing to say, and it's, it's accurate, but find me a, an executive, um, and there were a few, <laughs> but not many, who think about customer back as opposed to firm needs forward. Hmm. So you talked about designing organizations as a system. Can you, can you um, uh, explain to, to listeners who aren't familiar with it the concept of systems theory? Okay, well, systems theory is, you know, very, very uh, uh, complex, and mm -hmm. a lot of people have written about it, but as far as I'm concerned, the understanding of a system is a collection of elements that interact to produce an effect on something mm -hmm. external to the system that cannot be produced by any other means. And, and so organizing a business around a, a, a design of a system is, I still don't understand why more people don't buy into the fact that you don't ex organize around a, a hierarchy of authorities, you organize mm -hmm. around a purpose and then decompose that purpose into elements and the relationships between those elements. That seems obvious, to somebody who's like me, who's been wallowing in that, but it doesn't seem to be easy to catch on in uh, established organizations. I think when I when I look at hierarchical organizations, it seems like it takes forever to make a decision um, and and act on a decision, and and I'm sure you've seen your share of that. Well, yes, because people are paid on that basis of of. Uh, creating uh, commitments internally to the organization and following up on that. The, the, the reward system in most organizations is not for adaptability and not, not for uh, creating customer value. It's, it's creating value to the firm. And that's pass backwards to use an expression. I'm glad you brought that up because it is a huge issue that I've seen too. Um, people are getting paid. It seems like the compensation all the way down uh, is, is more about uh, what you're doing in your little area uh, without looking at, you know, what's happening in the bigger picture. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and they're getting re, you know, and, and some people even still get paid based on how many people work for them, right? So it, it seems like the compensation systems uh, aren't catching up with maybe the new reality of how organizations need to treat customers. You're absolutely right. They're not even trying 
to catch up. Yeah. The idea of, of uh, working from the customer effect back rather than from the firm's uh, profits forward uh, is, is easy to say, but not many, not many uh, executives are rewarded in that way. They're, they, they, the idea of, a, of designing an organization as a, a system remains a concept more than the reality in American business. Yeah, in fact, um, and I'm not quite sure where the issues lie. I mean, obviously, executives have control over this, and um, but maybe it's also in the human resources uh, model that we've created for ourselves these days, too. Is, is that you've probably seen sort of a mix of those things, right? Yeah, and that, when the fundamental problem is that, that the uh, intrinsic uh, motivation uh, in most organizations is to benefit the organization, to do things that make the organization more successful. And that does, it's only rarely that that gets translated into what well, that happens if you do the right things by your customers. And the customer back is still a term more than a reality. Mm. Yeah, ag agreed. And um, I, I see a lot of that myself. Um, we're going to take a, uh, a short break. Um, you're listening to the North Star. I'm William Ulrich. We're discussing the adaptive enterprise with my guest, Stephen Heckel. Uh, you can reach uh, me on LinkedIn by email or at my website. Uh, we'll be right back after a short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you having trouble articulating your strategic objectives? Not sure if your program investments are aligned to your strategic vision? Wondering why your six, seven, and eight-figure program investments seem to evaporate into thin air, even as your business teams are left to add more people, take on more risk, and take heat from unhappy customers? Tactical Strategy Group's William Ulrich can help ensure that your strategic objectives translate into sustainable, successful investments. For more information, visit our website at tacticalstrategygroup.com. Business news and discussions are always changing. In order to stay ahead of the game, sometimes you need to be a follower. You can follow the Voice America Business Channel on Twitter at VoiceAMBusiness. Again, that's at VoiceAMBusiness. And stay current. Your organization is spending seven, eight, or even nine figures annually on transformation programs, and you're questioning the bottom line business value. You were told not to worry. We've engaged the best system integrators, and they said all is well. Has your IT organization become a black box where money goes in, but nothing comes out? Tactical Strategy Group's William Ulrich has seen every side of this story, from upfront happy talk to painful post-mortems. Find out what's really going on. Visit tacticalstrategygroup.com and ask about TSG's Transformation Oversight Service. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The North Star. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to wmmulrich at tsgconsultinginc.com. That's wmmulrich at tsgconsultinginc.com. Now, back to The North Star. Here again is William Ulrich. 
Welcome back to the North Star. I'm William Ulrich. We are discussing the adaptive enterprise with my guest, Stephen Heckel. Uh, you can contact Steve at his email at heckel1 at verizon.net. Um, before, uh, well, actually during the break, Steve, we, uh, I, I was talking about um, this concept, uh, and actually you brought it up, about uh, looking at an organization as becoming a pool of modular capabilities uh, and, and using dynamically recombining those types of capabilities to do things. So what, kind of that idea first emerge uh, with you. Uh, it, it emerged basically uh, when I was doing some work with uh, General Motors and one of the one of the executives out there had had uh, already glommed on to that idea that you if you organize the business as a system of capabilities rather than a hierarchy of capabilities, you had a lot more ability to uh, redirect and and uh, accept the uh, deal deal with unexpected change. That was a real breakthrough uh, in terms of my thinking and led to the to the conclusion that a, a modular organization is far superior to a structure of hierarchical, hierarchical authorities. That seems advanced. Uh, I, I, I work with uh, GM and I, I'm aware of their their structure and actually did a little bit of business architecture work with them back back in my day. But um, uh, it seems like advanced thinking, at least for, for that particular executive. Uh, I always wonder about how organizations, you know, can organizations make this a reality? Uh, and, and are they making it a reality, uh, at least the ones you worked with? Well, it, in terms of GM, I found some people in GM that were very, very attuned to what we were talking about and very, very incapable of making changes in mm. <laughs> GM yeah. to uh, become modular and to respond to what is happening rather than to follow a, a, a forecast of what should happen. And mm. it, 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 I'm still interested in the fact that people resist the, the level of uh, uncertainty that's associated with responding to what is happening rather than carrying out a plan of what you projected to be needed. It's, it's uh, you know, a, a question that I don't, don't understand as well as I'd like to. That, that is so well said. You know, I, <laughs> um, I see that all the time myself. It's, it's, you know, I have my plan and I'm sticking with it. Um, you know, and I, I had a, a one client and we had a meeting and the people who were responsible for improving the customer experience came in. And they said, we can really use your help, but that wasn't on his plan, right? <laughs> it's like, you know, help, help, helping these people help the customer somehow didn't fit into his, his plan because that's not what he had written down, right? Yeah. And, and so we kind of left those people hanging out there. I, I will admit that at that particular um, client, my, uh, my, my business partner and I left, left that day and were on their way in the cab to the airport. We just looked at each other. Our mouths would just drop to the floor. Like, could you just walk away, turn your back on a customer because you don't think your boss's boss's boss, you know, that you think your boss's boss's boss wants you to stick to this plan? And and I'm just always amazed when people think like that. That's very accurate. Uh, People don't get paid for uh, turning things up. 
an organization. The, the idea of an organization as a series of roles rather than as mm. a, as a um, uh, system of, of uh, authorities mm -hmm. is, is a very difficult one to embed in organizations. That's an interesting one, too. Um, we, in these big companies, you see lots of different departments and, gr and groups, and lots of them, I think, have people in the same roles, but they probably don't know that, uh, and, and, and there's probably no, no perspective on that. I mean, if, if you, um, uh, what, what are your thoughts about, you know, trying to understand organizations a little bit better from, from maybe a, a big picture or holistic perspective? There's a very small uh, uh, interest in doing that. I mean, the, what what am I going to get from uh, restructuring or attempting to restructure this organization as a modular set of capabilities rather than as a hierarchy of authority? But what's the payoff? And and um, the idea of being able to respond rapidly to what is happening rather than efficiently to what we projected was going to happen. It sounds good, but not many people buy into the implications of, of buying into that. Right. Uh, so you wrote in your book, um, you talked about um, uh, the sense of respond organization has to get involved with their information architecture and their information technology architectures. Um, what, what did you see there in terms of being able to, uh, you know, improve or leverage a technology for these ideas? Well, the, the, uh, my experience was that the, the IT group was uh, never really embedded as a part of uh, organizational design or uh, function. The IT people would they do you know, their stuff. But, but engaging uh, the IT people into a discussion and then an implementation of how can we better serve customers, the reward for which is a uh, is something for our uh, our constituency. That's that's difficult. It's been very difficult mm. to uh, embed. I mean, people will nod and say, but but designing a business around the customer benefit as opposed to firm rewards is talk talk talk, but not much can you do. Right. Um, in, in the work I do, we talk about uh, value propositions for customers and you know, end-to-end -end value delivery. And, and sometimes you get blank stares. <laughs> and they don't even know who the customer is all the time. I'm glad you brought that up on IT, um, being isolated and uh, sort of um, not involved in, in the organizational design. And um, because I, I see that and, and, you know, to me, that seems like a big impediment to being able to get all the pieces to work together. I, I would agree 100%. IT is considered, they do what they're supposed to do. They're going to make us more efficient. But, but having IT get involved in the design of mm. our own organization that would make us more effective and modular so that we can respond to a wider variety of uh, needs, custom, custom needs, uh, it's good to talk, but not very much action. Yeah, I, I, I certainly see them detached uh, from things as well. In fact, one of um, some of the business architects I work with, one of them at one of the companies that they're at, 
um, they, they got told to stop, stop talking to the IT people and telling them what to do. It's like, well, we're just trying to explain to them, you know, more around the concepts that you're bringing up, right? More, we'll talk more about those kinds of things, but don't talk to them. Don't go there. Um, one of the things that uh, there's been a lot of advancements in technology over the past couple of decades uh, that, you know, which, which could be used more so for uh, some of the kinds of things you talked about in terms of becoming more sense and respond. Uh, do you have any thoughts about that in terms of all the new things that have happened over the past 15, 20 years? Well, it, yeah. it, in theory, is it ought to be much easier to get at the people who make things happen in an organization rather than to the hierarchy of authority. Uh, but in actuality, I haven't seen that happen in many organizations. And so the the modular idea of modular design is still mostly an idea rather than a reality. Right. So um, when we look at large organizations, which are would obviously be beneficiaries of, of a lot of the sense and respond ideas you've got, um, getting that more holistic look at the organization. So if if we kind of took your capability idea uh, forward then we would see that there would be this pool of capabilities that the organization as a whole could draw from. Is, is that sort of how you've envisioned it? Yeah, it should be that way. If you think about an organization as a system of roles and accountabilities rather than as a hierarchy of, of authority, uh, yet it go naturally into the, well, what is a system? And how do you apply a system to the way we do business? And very few people uh, carry that out as a because it's really disruptive. It's extremely disruptive. Right. In fact, um, uh, some of the business architects I work with who are chartered with some of these ideas, more holistic view, uh, understanding and making sure you have clarity around your capabilities, uh, understanding you know who needs those capabilities and where they exist. Uh, you know, they, they get sort of shoved into a corner um, yeah. as, as just one more group. And, and you know, and then the, the strategic planning teams go off and do what they want to do. And the program guys go off and do what they want to do. And people throw um, big money at projects and programs, which I want to ask you about that is in your experience, have you seen, you've seen a lot of investment in a lot of projects and programs over the years. Um, can you comment on what you've seen in terms of maybe successes or failures uh, in terms of that money spent? I don't know how to begin with an answer to that. The, the um, organizations that I've had most success with have been organizations in which the, the, uh, the head of the organization is very, very interested in being able to adapt more rapidly to unanticipated change, which mm. leads to an interest in modularity of design and blah, blah, blah. The rest of what we've been right. talking about is a, a way of organizing as opposed to a acceptance of a, a hierarchy of authority. Mm. And that, that, that is easy to say and people would buy into the idea, but the implementation uh, runs up against people who don't want to give up their authorities. Right. <laughs> right. 
So there's, right, there's cultural issues here, right? Um, political and cultural, I guess, both, right? So uh, people who don't want to give up their authority for the greater good, let's say. Uh, and then just the culture of, you know, top-down uh, decision-making has to go up the tree, back down the tree. Um, in terms of, you know, and, and you, you've seen some, some people you work with, some executives uh, understood what they wanted to accomplish, but did you see that they got held back by uh, either the corporate cultures or the uh, corporate politics, those types of things? Yeah, well, the, the corporate culture in the United States, worldwide, I guess, is to um, uh, do what we're told to do and do it effectively mm-hmm. rather, rather than to organize changes in a, in a customer or customer benefit. The idea of putting mm-hmm. customer benefit before firm reward is not very easy to ingrain. Right. It's very, very hard to, say, to, to take the leap that says, We'll do better if our customers do better, and therefore we're going to invest in helping the customers do better, as opposed to what short-term benefits we could uh, we could achieve. It's very difficult. Yeah, I almost want to say, yeah. Go ahead. I, I was going to say I almost want to say some of these organizations, when they talk to me, you can tell that their culture doesn't really it, it doesn't adapt to this kind of thinking, and I almost want to say you know you, you can. Here's what you should do, but but you you know you're showing me by talking to me that your culture, uh, it, it's not the way your culture works, right? Yeah. So the idea, I, I still am kind of fond of this this formulation. The idea of a, a customer uh, as a a uh, as the purpose for which you organize, and the idea of of decomposing what you do for the customer into a set of modular capabilities so that you can adapt to the individual needs of a customer is blah, 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 blah. Yeah, so what are you talking about? Right. There was one organization, um, and there's many, many that are organized this way, but very big financial services insurance, and they were very organized into individual silos. And, you know, they had like 20 views of the same customer. If I had auto insurance or mutual funds or homeowners insurance, as far as I was concerned, you know, as far as they were concerned, I was 10 different people, right? Because they weren't organized around me. They were organized around uh, their own model, right? So I'm sure you see these things, right? I think you just described the difference between organizing a business as a system and organizing a business as a vertical tranche, series of vertical tranches of, 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 of authority. And the, the idea of a system is um, very difficult to inculcate. I mean, people mm-hmm. and the system is, oh, what's happening out there, as opposed to a decomposition from a purpose into a set of capabilities. I don't know and- why it takes so long for many, many businesses to glom on to that idea, but it's sure it's difficult to inculcate. Well, the interesting thing there is that particular company was um, was going to, was, and in fact, I guess they are reorganizing um, their business model around the customer. 
Um, but because of their size and, and age and, you know, large installed technology, uh, this is a multi, multi-year exercise and expensive too. Um, you have to change culture, technology, all kinds of things, right? Yeah. So we have to convince people to do that somehow. Well, the, the, the answer to that, in my view, is to organize a business around a series of capabilities that can be um, organized and reorganized. And if you think of, a, of an organization as a, as a collection of capabilities, rather than as a hierarchy of, of authorities, you, you then can take advantage of all the benefits of, of systems as opposed to hierarchies. Excellent. Um, very well said. Uh, now, you talk about hybrid organizations. Um, I, I guess those are, those are organizations that are trying to make a transition uh, from what they are to, you know, make and sell to sense and respond. Is that, is that how you think about hybrids? Well, I basically uh, think of hybrids as uh, the difference in, the, in an individual firm, people who get the idea that they ought to be organized around customer benefit rather than organized around firm profit and firm mm -hmm. rewards. And uh, I mean, everybody probably give lip service. Oh yeah, we really are customer facts, but very few uh, reward systems uh, are, are set up to encourage people to work from the customer back rather than from the firm uh, interest forward. Got it. Uh, we're going to take another quick break. Uh, you're listening to the North Star. I'm William Ulrich. Uh, we're discussing the adaptive enterprise with my guest, Stephen Heckel. You can reach me on LinkedIn by email or on my website, tacticalstrategygroup.com. Uh, so we'll be right back after a short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Your organization is spending seven, eight, or even nine figures annually on transformation programs. And you're questioning the bottom line business value. You were told not to worry. We've engaged the best system integrators and they said all is well. Has your IT organization become a black box where money goes in, but nothing comes out? Tactical Strategy Group's William Ulrich has seen every side of this story, from upfront happy talk to painful post-mortems. Find out what's really going on. Visit tacticalstrategygroup.com and ask about TSG's Transformation Oversight Service. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Are you having trouble articulating your strategic objectives? Not sure if your program investments are aligned to your strategic vision? Wondering why your six, seven, and eight-figure program investments seem to evaporate into thin air, even as your business teams are left to add more people, take on more risk, and take heat from unhappy customers? Tactical Strategy Group's William Ulrich can help ensure that your strategic objectives translate into sustainable, successful investments. For more information, visit our website at tacticalstrategygroup.com. 
When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to the North Star. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to WMMUlrich at TSGConsultingInc.com. That's WMMUlrich at TSGConsultingInc.com. Now, back to the North Star. Here again is William Ulrich. Welcome back to the North Star. I'm William Ulrich. We're discussing the adaptive enterprise with my guest, Stephen Heckel. You can contact Steve by email at heckel1 at verizon.net. Um, Steve, we were just talking at break about the, uh, the customer. And I have a, there's a peculiarity out there in my experience uh, when you're working with, whether it's not just technologists, but it's really a lot of people in the organization, not everybody's sure who the customer is on, in, in, in their world. Um, I've even seen, you know, and it's not actually uncommon, people getting confused and thinking their customers are you know, the business people they work with. Um, I, you hear that from IT. Um, th- do you think that maybe some organizations have not only lost sight of the customer, but aren't even sure who they're, you know, don't even understand who their end customers are? I think that's a very good insight. The, the, most organizations don't think from the customer back, they think from the firm forward and what the, the firm needs customers. And so they go after, after customers with what they, what, what they're, um, uh, what they're given to understand customers want as opposed to engaging the customers themselves in a system uh, to improve the performance of the of uh, the, the customer, uh, it seems rather ridiculous to to say that <laughs> that you do firm forward rather than customer back. But um, that's what most companies do. One of the things that organizations are doing today is there there's there are teams of people who are. Uh, trying to understand and improve the customer experience. Um, I guess, you know, my, 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 my observation of those teams is it's, it's good that they're doing that, but sometimes they, they, when they try to communicate with the rest of the people in the organization, um, people don't know how to interpret or to deal with that type of information because, again, they've, they've lost track. As you said, right, the, uh, it, it's, it's, not, it's not customer first thinking, right? Um, yeah. Well, and, and, and a lot of customers don't think that way either. The, the, the idea of, of getting clarity about what customer need is and what the, what the constraints are to providing uh, responses to those needs is not something most customers think about as opposed to in addition to what, what suppliers do. So the, the idea of systems thinking and in, in, in designing organizations and relationships as systems and capabilities whose purpose is to produce a defined benefit is blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yes. Um, so, so now we look at, you know, we fast forward to today and we live in this um, somewhat unpredictable world. Um, I so think we can, <laughs> we, can, we can look back over the last, uh, 18 months and, and, and easily say, you know, who, who saw that, you know, who saw this lockdown coming that we did a global pandemic, um, you know, and, and disasters and that we've got in terms of natural disasters. 
Uh, it seems like the world is is far less predictable today uh, than it might have been, you know, when when you were originally writing your book and and doing some of your your work on that. Um, I, do you see the uh, adaptive enterprise becoming even more applicable today than it was, you know, in the long ago? Yeah, the more unpredictable things are, the more important it is to be able to reorganize your assets around what is happening as opposed to what you projected was going to happen. So modularity in organizational design, I think, is a is, a, is absolutely critical to uh, success and even existence in, in the I, world that we live in. I think um, I'm big on contingency plans. I always like to have a plan B and maybe even a plan C. Uh, like I'm running a redundant internet environment here, just in case. Uh, and interestingly, one of them was down this morning. But um, uh, one of the things I, I see is, so people are like, for example, uh, people. there's a lot of things going on today with uh, uh, security breaches and hacks into different systems. And um, it, it seems to me that um, if, if you organized around modular capabilities, and you had, um, you, you know, you built your security, you know, around and into those capabilities and you built your, your risk analysis into those capabilities. It seems to be, you know, that, that you'd have a, um, a much better ability to respond because, you know, you talked about modular capabilities to be able to uh, respond more quickly. Um, I, it, to me, it seems like that would, that would make sense. Is that, is that sound logical to you? That's very well said. I wish I'd said it. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it, it's, it's um, you know, what you said in your book about, you know, the, the main strategy you need to have is the ability to be able to respond to unpredictability. Um, as true as that was when you wrote that, it's so much more true today uh, than it was at the time. And, the, you know, I still don't see organizations thinking that way. So if, if you look back, um, do you see opportunities missed? Um, you know, how do you kind of look back on all this? Well, this is an oversimplification, but I think there's a, a, an ingrained need in many organizations for hierarchies of authority as opposed to uh, systems of capabilities. Mm -hmm. I mean, who owes what to whom and why is, is a set of questions that people really don't address. It's who owes, it's who gets told what to do in a hierarchy of authorities. And I, I think that's getting more and more modular, mm. but it still is a, a um, top down rather than a, a customer backed uh, tendency. I, I think people may have realized during the lockdowns and everybody working virtually that maybe you didn't have to have your boss necessarily looking over your shoulder every minute of the day, right? Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see how that, how that pans out. Um, so would you say you've got, you know, if you look back on, on sort of the progress that's made or not made, um, you know, when, when you were doing this work and you wrote that book uh, and, in back in the uh, late 90s, would you, would you expect, did, did you expect people to be able to, organizations to be able to change? Or, or I, I guess I'm trying to imagine how you envisioned it versus what, what you're looking back on today. Well, I think organizations have to change or they disappear. But whether 
the, the uh, change is destructive and 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 uh, very, and disruptive, or whether or not it can be can be uh, uh, organized in a systematic way mm -hmm. is the big difference we're talking about. If you if you accept change, unpredicted change as a given, then you have to organize to to understand the change and respond to the change, as opposed to carry out a set of of uh, activities that you had decided is what's needed for success. I mean, the, uh, the modularity of systems is crucial to survival in a, a world that is, is uh, unpredictable. Uh, you know, a lot of our, the way, and, and this is all cultural and it's in part regional, um, but I think maybe certainly in the U.S. with public, publicly held, you know, public corporations, uh, stockholder shareholder corporations, you see that uh, quarterly profits seem to be driving uh, what what they do or most of what they do. Um, do you see that as an impediment to sort of organizations moving forward? Yeah, but they're, they're organized around an assumed uh, benefit as opposed to organize around how to produce that benefit. Right. And that is, uh, you know, the, the idea of, uh, of decomposing into a set of capabilities as opposed to uh, accepting a requirement and assuming that it's gonna get done by somebody. This is uh, all too prevalent in my experience with companies. The idea of designing a business as a system is a blah, blah, blah. Well, they don't understand what a system is much less how to organize around it. It's something that's, that's hard to get into the executive uh, Right. Executive offices. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm wondering if there's any particular industries that, um, you know, that that would be able to um, become more adaptive, better or sooner than others. Uh, you worked in manufacturing. A lot of changes have happened there uh, over the years. With um, you know the technology, right? I mean, you know, the the old GM of making and making and selling cars uh, today is trying to deal with. Um, you know, radically changing technology, uh, driverless uh, cars, um, leasing type structures that they maybe, you know, are, are trying to move into now, uh, the ability to connect to auto automobiles through the, inter through the internet uh, and, and track where they are through like new technology. So I'm wondering if, if I don't know if you think manufacturing or, um, you know, is it maybe financial services? I mean, do you, do you see any, have you, have you seen any areas where you think the opportunities are really big? Uh, I haven't thought about them in terms of a hierarchy, but mm. just the idea of thinking about an organization as a, as a producer of benefits to customers, as opposed to reward, a producer of rewards to owners and shareholders, is is a very difficult to inculcate in an organization to, to, mm. to have the to have the uh, uh, to, <laughs> the guts, I guess, <laughs> to 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 assume that if you do the right thing by customers, you will be better, rather than if you do the right thing by shareholders, you'll be able to keep your job. Like it's really very very difficult to to um, do a customer back in. In reality, as opposed to talk about it and 
so if you're talking to business leaders, um, it sounds to me like this this messaging has to start at the top of the organization. Um, otherwise, you're not going to be able to change things. Is that is that sound right? I think that's right. Now, could you give me a list of, of uh, executives that you think are really interested in uh, organization as a system? <laughs> really, that's the top thing on their, their mind. We really got to get organized as a system. The, the, the inculcation of systems theory and design into organizational executive levels is not impossible and it's been done in certain places but it's not the way organizations tend to make decisions maybe we need to get this into the um into the business schools and the mba program some of this thinking is that you think that would be i know that that's long term out you think <laughs> yeah how many how many uh business schools uh, do you think are are uh, teaching people the, the benefits of modular organizational design. You know, um, w- w- um, my organization, the Business Architecture Guild, is working with a, um, a survey right now, with, uh, which I'm going to try to get uh, uh, an interview with the results of that in, in September on, uh, you know, are, are they teaching these very things, uh, business architecture, modular capabilities? But the big question is strategy execution. Do we teach people that here's a strategy, but we don't te- teach people how to execute it? So I think you run into all these things. So what, what, So in terms of your, um, maybe some closing thoughts, uh, any advice to business leaders today that you would have? Well, to, to, to uh take off from what you just said, the idea of thinking of an organization about as a set of roles and accountabilities as opposed to a set of actions uh, is, is uh, fundamental. It re- really means they have to understand what a system is as opposed to talk about the system that we, we have. And a, a system that starts from a customer, a customer benefit rather than from a firm uh, profit is much more likely to, to succeed, particularly if it's designed as a modular set of capabilities. I appreciate you uh, joining me today for this great conversation. And uh, I'm really glad we got a chance to share your, your, your thoughts. Um, my, uh, my guest today has been Stephen Heckel. We've been discussing the adaptive enterprise. You can contact Steve at his uh, website, sensorrespond.com, or his email, heckle1.verizon.com. You can find a link to his book for adaptive enterprise on the North Star Radio page on my website, tacticalstrategygroup.com. Thank you, Steve, for sharing fantastic insights today. Uh, My guest next week will be a leading uh, intellect on the circular economy and author, Walter Stahill. Uh, You've been listening to the North Star. I'm your host, William Ulrich. You can contact me by email on LinkedIn or at my website. Thanks for joining me today, and I'll talk to you all next week. Thank you for tuning in this week to the North Star. Please join host William Ulrich for another edition of the program next Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll continue our discussion on strategy execution then. Thank you.